Oh, hello. He's a big fan. All right. Good morning. We are live. Abby and I are so excited. And I was joking as we were talking uh, in our back room before we went live. For those of you who can see us, um, I'm like, we look like three sisters here. The three Catholic sisters. <laughs> we are so excited for our guest this morning for so many reasons. And um, she is a Catholic speaker, author, entrepreneur. Um, her story is absolutely amazing. And I think it's the perfect time that we scheduled her right before Christmas because we need those feel-good stories and transformations and testimonies. And if there's ever a time to be pulled closer to Christ, it's right now. And so we are so excited to have Leah Darrow with us this morning. So welcome. Thank you for having me. I love it. This is great. <laughs> I am. I know you and Abby, you know, have a history and know each other. And I was so excited when someone from our team had, you know, was we're booking interviews. They're like, you know, who would be phenomenal? And so I was diving deep into you and Abby's like, oh my gosh, she's phenomenal. And I'm like, have I been living under a rock? How do I not know you? And so I've been a sponge learning everything about you and you're just such a beautiful mother inside and out. And so I'm really excited for everybody else to either be introduced to you this morning or get to know you better. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm ready for it. Let's do it. So let's, let's, let's start back to where you really became well-known. And that is um, your experience with America's Next Top Model. Right. So like, let's start there. Kind of take us through that experience. What year was that? What was your life like um, spiritually as far as motherhood went? And, and then what happened during like the course of your time on there and after you left? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> there's a lot there. Um, to unpack. Okay, so I think it was around 2003 or so. Uh, um, I mean, Google would verify me, but uh, something like that, where I auditioned for the TV show America's Next Top Model. Um, prior to that, I had been away from the practice of my faith, faith for about 10 years um, or around there. And uh, it was... It was a slow decline, but I really felt because of my past sins and what I've done and what I started doing in high school and college and everything, it was just a, it was a snowball effect. And I just thought that it's not that I didn't believe in God or I didn't believe he existed. I just thought that there wasn't a space for me in church. Like it, church wasn't for me anymore. Like, okay, I, and I, I'm happy that it's for you, but I've, I missed the boat and I've screwed up too much. And I got to suck it up and deal with it and, um, and just find, find a different dream, find a different path. And the world completely offered me. They stepped in and swooped me up and said, hey, listen, we got a path for you. And that was really through a lot of just random um, comments from, from people who'd be like, oh, you're pretty. You know, you should be a model as if that's the only thing that I could possibly do. But, um, but I was looking for validation and I was insecure. And I wanted to some, I wanted somebody to see something good in me. And so I, and I knew that I got attention from, from my physical, how I physically looked. So I thought I could bridge that into a business. And so modeling in the fashion industry seemed to say, yeah, we know how to do that. And you come over here. So it wasn't a huge jump for me to audition for America's Next Top Model. I just thought, okay, great. This could be a great opportunity for me, to, I guess, to do something. So it was pretty aimless. Um, and I auditioned for that. And I obviously got on. I was on cycle three of America's Next Top Model. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't really, I don't watch TV anymore. But I think, I mean, I think reality TV is hopefully taking like a downward slide. I don't know how <laughs> is anymore because it back then it was huge it was blowing up it was like the biggest thing ever and america's next top model was like the big reality tv show and so fortunately or unfortunately it brought me to a place where there was a lot of quick 
um, fame and there was uh, my, you know, picture was everywhere and um, along with all the other girls and um, it created along with what you would think you would want. It creates just a terrible demon um, that haunts you. I mean, the comments that we would receive after a photo shoot being on the show from chat rooms back then thank god social media wasn't completely up and going was just horrific i mean people would comment being like leah was so ugly in that photo shoot she should kill herself and give her spot to someone else um i mean so these are the things that are going on i say that because i think when we talk about reality tv we can talk about it as if it's just this thing out there but it's something that really destroys not just the contestants but all of us watching it because mm -hmm. it poses human brokenness as entertainment. And then we are entertained by the brokenness of other people. And that is massively evil and wrong. And when you become desensitized to what you see on TV and these people who are living these lives and making decisions and they're choosing this person to date or, or, this, or whatever it might be, whatever show you watch, you're really watching people who are broken, being taken advantage of, being manipulated, and then you are now saying, this is how I entertain myself. And that's not okay. It's not okay. And so that's my soapbox for reality TV. But um, I was on that show. I got eliminated. I afterwards stayed in New York and I thought I could still make it. No, I'm not going to go for it. And I got modeling jobs and I was making good money. I had a comma in my paycheck and I thought things were great. Um, However, <laughs> I thought things were great because how it looked on paper. Like I live in New York City. I'm a fashion model. I am making money. I'm going on photo shoots. But the reality is that I'm massively depressed, huge anxiety, um, drinking like crazy to, to just keep the um, thoughts away that this isn't a good idea, um, dating the worst guys, um, surrounding myself in an environment that is just toxic from top to bottom, but telling myself, this is what I want. That's what I look good. You know, you see me walk down the streets in New York and I look like I've got someplace to go and I'm doing something great, but inside I am just a decaying corpse. And so all of that really came crashing down in the middle of a fashion photo shoot that I did um, for an international magazine and, it was supposed to be like one of those big jumping off points of, you know, for my career. And it was there where God, um, quite unplanned by me, but God decided to jump in and speak to my heart, speak to my soul. And things began to change dramatically after that photo shoot where I really heard God's voice on my heart in the middle of the shoot. And, um, and he called me to more. I remember I, I, I heard in my heart that he said, I made you for more. And um, it just, it broke my heart because, you know, I thought I, 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 I believed it. And I realized I was living a really, really crap life by my own hand. I was making these decisions. Someone was forcing me. And I'm living this life that little girls just aspire to and they want to be and they want to be this, they want to be beautiful and pretty and, and have all this attention. And here I am at, at the, at the center of it. Um, and it's just horrific. And I knew that I was made for more. I wasn't made just to take a pretty picture. I mean, holy crap. I mean, is that really what we're going to tell our girls mm -hmm. that you're just, you're just pretty. And, um, but that's what I was doing with my career. I was absolutely sending that message. And I just, uh, I didn't want to do that anymore. So I walked out and I left and that began my journey back home um, to the church and to sanity and to logic and I, and a lot of therapy. <laughs> so, so that, so that photo shoot where you just felt it upon your heart, what God was calling you to do and so much more than that. So that was it. That was your breaking point. Did you leave New York city then? Yeah. So I actually, um, in the middle of that shoot, when that happened, uh, I was right in the middle of some pictures that were being taken. And um, I just felt in my heart this exact moment of what was happening. And I just looked around and I looked at my life and it just was, 
I just thought, you know, this is just no, I, I don't, I, I don't want to live like this. Who wants to live like this? Like I knew I was being used. I knew I was a puppet and I know that I was being used to have other people look at me and then use me. And then I was also at the same time, it just hit me. Like I'm, I have the, I'm taking these pictures for this magazine for men to look at and lust over. Mm-hmm. I'm taking these pictures. They're going to be there for little girls to say, that's what beauty is. And I want to be like that. And it just, it just broke me. You know, it, I just thought I can't, I, we all have such influence. Every one of us, we all have our own platform that God gives us. And I was using mine terribly and it really hit me in that moment. So that was absolutely my moment. I walked out of the fo- photo shoot after the, I mean, photographers were yelling and screaming and saying all sorts of crazy not great things, using a lot of colorful language. And um, I remember the last thing the photographer said to me, he's like, if you leave, you'll be a nobody. Like, we will make sure of it. You will be a nobody. And um, I remember just looking back and I just told him, I was like, do you promise? And I wanted so badly for him to keep that promise. I'm like, don't call me. Don't tempt me with another photo shoot. Don't tempt me with tens of thousands of dollars for this. Um, I don't know if I'm strong enough to say no. Like, promise me you'll forget me. I want nothing of your world anymore. I don't want money. I don't want fake promises. It's disgusting. And I just began to, like, in that moment, like, hate everything about that world. And I walked all the way home, and I called my dad, um, who was back in uh, Missouri. And my, my parents live in Missouri. And... um I called my dad and I just said, if you don't come and get me, I'm going to lose my soul. And there was a very long pause. And when he finally spoke, he just said, um, okay, baby, you know, I'm coming to get you. And my daddy drove over 2,000 miles to come and pick me up. And, um, <laughs> and uh, when he finally got there, he knocked on my door and um, – he had his hands like all the way out, stretched all the way out as I opened up the door. They were already out. Like he was waiting for me to open the door. He was already in that position. And he just lunged at me and he's like, I'm, I'm so happy to see you. And I just thought, you're out of your mind. I'm the oldest six kids in my family. I am the worst example to my brothers and sisters. I'm, I have been away from the church for 10 years. I have done things that are unspeakable and you're happy to see me. And I just couldn't get it. You know, I couldn't get it. Um, I'm a parent now and I, now I get it. Now I completely understand what he was talking about, but back then I just didn't. I was just a little lost girl and he hugged me and he just was saying all these things that he wanted to do in New York. He's like, let's, let's go to Central Park and let's go get a hot dog and go to Carnegie Deli. And I'm thinking, I am only at the point of spiritual despair. And you want to get a hot dog? Like, what are you doing? But at the same time, I also just didn't care because um, I was so exhausted. I think that's the thing that we forget. You know, sin is exhausting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, you have to, you have to, brainwash yourself. You have to gaslight yourself over and over to keep doing the sin. And, um, I was just so tired of my life. So I was like, that's fine. I don't really care anymore. Like do whatever you want to do Dad. I'll go with you to grab whatever hot dog. Let's just get out of here. And, um, before he stopped, he said, okay, but first we're going to go see Jesus. We're going to go, we're going to go to confession. And I was like, I don't think so. You know, like, Again, that ship has sailed. And he looked at me and he said, you called and you said you wanted to go home. And I'm here to take you home. And Jesus is home. You want to go anywhere else? You can cross off those airlines. And um, I couldn't refute that. I'm like, you're right. You're right. I did want to go home. But home is not necessarily a place. Home is Christ. And uh, if I'm serious about changing my life, I have to go home. 
So I began there and that began my journey really back to my faith. Um, I reconciled myself with Christ Jesus. I gave him everything that I'd ever done. Um, I asked for mercy and begged for it and he gave it. And I walked out with peace and um, with a clarity in my heart that I knew that even though I didn't know what was next, I knew that I was walking in the right direction. And that really brought me to a place where I could start beginning to put the pieces back together. Um, and, you know, that began, like I said, like with a lot of therapy and a lot of more. And I began to actually pray again and practice my faith um, and just slowly enter back into into the world with it, you know, as a new person. That is so powerful. I mean, I just had tears streaming. And, you know, I think something you had said earlier on that, you know, part of that sin and exhaustion of what kept you away was, you know, the enemy tries to make us feel this guilt and we're too far away and you're too long gone and you're too sinful and there's no point of return and you're too, you know, dirty and have made these mistakes and you're, and, and that's what keeps so many people away. And then also I, I even know personally when I've lived a life of sin and I've already, you know, I've gone back to Christ and I've living a life of repentance and been to confession multiple times. And I've even had priests tell me, you know, I would confess the same sin over and over. And that was part of my, the enemy keeping me in my guilt. I've, I'm already living in repentance and I've already confessed it and I've already begged for mercy, but I wasn't accepting God's mercy. I was thinking that my sin is too big and I'm too guilty. And how can God forgive me? And and that's where the enemy has had his claws in me for years and other people around me telling me, you know, you're not forgiven and you're not this. And, and so those, those chains can, you know, hold us in, in different parts of our sin, even when we're past it and we feel guilty, but that you are in your story. It's this beautiful example of mercy and coming back. And it doesn't matter if it's a couple months or a couple years or a decade or longer and your father it's just so christ-like as you said it, it just reminds me of jesus is you open the door and there were his arms waiting for you and i'm sure that was just such a beautiful gift for your father too and so um my gosh that's just such oh, such a beautiful testimony yeah um, it's it's a it, it is and that's the beauty of it is that, um, you know, not everybody has a dad like my dad. You know, I want to acknowledge that. Um, not everybody has somebody they can call. Um, but that does not mean that they don't have a father. That does not mean that God the Father is not there for them. It does not mean that God the Father's arms are not open and ready, right? Like the, like the parable of the prodigal son. The father was out waiting for his son before the son could even come upon, you know, the horizon to for the father to see. Like our father waits for us. He waits for our homecoming and he waits for us to come home. And there's there's just no better time. And we always think, you know, there's just we always think of all the reasons and the excuses. I know I did of not to bring my life back to Christ. Um and the devil and evil will give you plenty of them and shame and a million other things. But there's nothing, there's no price on peace. In fact, I, well, I take it back. I guess there is a price on peace and that's Christ on the cross. That's what it cost. And, and, and there's, there's nothing that we can, there's nothing in life that can compare to that. Like once you start experiencing the peace that Christ can give you with repentance and mercy, and you realize that you can live a life of freedom, real freedom. Oh yeah. Forget it. And that's, that's one of the things that's like the main message that I've been thinking about for the past, whatever, 13, 14 years in this work now is that anybody can be forgiven and you have to start throwing like, like you, you're not that important. Your sin is not that great that Christ cannot forgive you. And Christ is the answer. And we have to submit ourselves in humility to him 
and, and to be able to walk firmly in that faith um, and be courageous in it because there's, there's, there's no other answer. I mean, look, look around the world. Come on now. What else works? What else really is going to give you lasting peace? What is going to take away guilt and shame? Nothing else but Christ. I do think it is. I mean, there is something to be said though about like amazing dads. Um, you know, I have an amazing dad and when I, um, actually uh, was part of a, a book where I told this story, um, when, I, you know, everybody knows my story. I was very, very lost and a part of the world. And when I called my parents and told them that I was leaving Planned Parenthood, um, you know, my parents, of course, were like, they were in the car and uh, they were on vacation. And I, you know, was telling that I had actually told them to pull over because they were driving and I didn't want them to like fly off the road and have an accident. And, um, but when I, you know, I was like, I told him, I said, look, I'm about, I'm putting in my resignation like right now I'm faxing it over. Cause that was when people still fax things. And, um, and you know, my mom is like screaming and crying and whatever. And my dad, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, do you need me to send you money? And, you know, and I was like, no, dad, like, I'm, I'm okay, you know, but that was the first thing he thought, because not that my parents are like rich or anything, they're not. But that was the first thing he thought of, like, I have to protect my daughter right now. Like, I have to think about my daughter right now. Like, I, she's in a time of crisis, like, she's leaving her job, she makes a lot of money, like, I'm willing to give her everything I have, because she's making this amazing decision right now. Right. So let me just extend to her everything I have. Like, can I send you money? And, and I just think there's something to be said, like about really amazing fathers and, and how important fathers are, particularly in the life of daughters. And I think that, you know, I mean, I I think this all the time, like, and I just said this, actually, I just gave a talk at, um, at turning point and I'm, you know, looking at all of these young people and, and particularly women in the audience. And I'm like, look, I'm like, ladies choose wisely. Like when you are making a decision on, you know, who you want to partner with for the rest of your life, like choose wisely, because this is who is going to be the partner that you're going to raise children with. And it's a big deal. Like who's going to be the dad to your children or the dad to your daughters? Like who's going to be that person that extends their hand to them when they've messed up. Right. And, um, I just think it is an important lesson. And I think that, um, even men who are listening now, like this is an important thing to know. Like if you have young children, if you have young daughters, like pay attention to how good dads are being dads. Um, because we have so many hurting young women in the world today who really, really need good fathers. And that's what I see so often when I'm out on the sidewalk and I tell people all the time, I'll be out on the sidewalk in front of an abortion clinic and I'll be standing there with some man who's sidewalk counseling with me 19 times out of 20. I can be reaching out to her and this sidewalk counselor who's a man can be reaching out to her and 19 times out of 20, she'll go to the man and not me because these women are so desperate for good men in their lives because they've just had so many crappy men in their lives. And so women need to choose well. They do. And you know, our, our fathers are meant to be icons of God, the father. And so it should, we should see in our, in our, in our husbands, we should see in our dads, um, 
this kind of like this beautiful icon where it's going to like show forth the face of Christ and it's going to show the hands of Christ. It's going to show exactly who, who Christ is and that he comes from God, the father, like God, the father should be shining through into that, into those behaviors. And I think that's absolutely true. I mean, we have to be able to speak forthrightly about how much we need good men and for men to be good men, for men to rise up and, and to step out the comfort zone and speak up and speak to women who are hurting. If my dad didn't speak up when I was hurting, if he didn't get in the car and, and show his face and do the hard work, he could have just said all those things on the phone. Mm-hmm. My dad could have sent me a ticket home. Right. But he didn't. He went the extra mile because he knows how important it is to show up at the face, show up in person and face me and be able to say, and you know what is so interesting is that when, when I made the phone call to my, to my parents and I'll be honest with you, I was hoping my mom would answer. It's hard to face dad. It's hard to face dad when you're like, okay, I'm acknowledging that I'm, I'm the hottest of hot messes. This is, this is a dumpster fire and I, I need help. Um, but dad answered. And, um, after I got off the phone, my mom rushed up because back then it just showed a caller ID of a number from New York and like nothing else back then. Um, so my mom was very, very scared because they had received some other calls from New York that had been just not good involving me. And so they were always scared when they saw a New York number. Um, my mom ran up and she's like, Patrick, Patrick, was that Leah? And my dad was just sitting on the... <laughs> He was sitting on the end of the bed and um, he was just crying. And uh, uh, my mom just said, Patrick, what's, what's wrong? And all he said is, we got her back. And then from that point, my dad had grabbed a duffel bag from underneath the bed and he was just stuffing like socks and underwear in it. Like my mom was like screaming at him to like pack pants and everything. <laughs> <laughs> He's going nude. He's going <laughs> The only thing he cared about was clean feet. <laughs> so, you know, it's a guy thing. I don't know, but I mean, it seems like it's an essential piece, but my mom's yelling at him to pack pants, but they made a deal. The whole point is they made a deal. My dad and my mom made a deal before he got in the car and drove from Missouri to New York city. And she said, you go and you get our daughter and then you take her to Christ. And if she decides to not go to Christ, then you come home alone. And that was a deal that my parents made. I didn't even know this till years later about my homecoming. I mean, and that is the beauty of marriage. It's the beauty of strong wives and strong husbands and dads showing up for their kids when we, we need them. There's a reason why men are protectors and defenders and rescuers. Yeah. And it's nothing bad. Um, we should thank the patriarchy. Instead yes. of other words, and I absolutely will, and I'll say that time and time again, every time you flip a light switch on, thank you, patriarchy. Every time you, you drive on some cement, thank you, patriarchy. Next time you see construction and buildings going up, thank you, patriarchy. Like, and of course, every time you see a dad pick up his little girl, um, small or big, thank you. Like, thank you for being good men because we need them in this world. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, I mean, not only did you, did your life change, of course, you know, modeling and all this, but um, now you have a slew of kids. I mean, you did the Catholic thing. uh, And um, so tell us about that too. I mean, your life changed, you got married. I mean, so tell tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, So I married Ricky. And uh, Ricky and I got married in 2012. And um, uh, yeah, fun story, but yeah. So we're, we're married and we just, you know, started having babies. And um, I, I was already starting to share my story and kind of be a public speaker at that point already, a couple of years in. Um, and I would, you know, have my first child, Agnes. And so she just went along with, with, with me, you know, with all my talks and carried around. And that was very at least to me, it came off as very tab- taboo. Like you're bringing your baby with you. <laughs> and it was very shocking. I think to some people, maybe the Catholic or Christian world that, you know, 
that they could coexist, you know, evangelization and working with babies. Um, I, mean, I was home the majority of the time, keep this in mind, but still. Um, and then it was then an, another baby and then another baby. And then six babies later, here we are. I had my sixth baby, uh, I think like nine months ago. And um, I've just been having them, been pregnant for a while. And um, we're homeschooling because the world, I don't know. Um, and uh, just embracing everything that motherhood has. And I've, it's been, motherhood's been very, such a good teacher, such a good teacher in um, holiness and oh, breaking me down and teaching me exactly what true beauty is and, and, and uh, what, what my real goal is, like what vocation really means as a mother. Um, I just continue to learn more and more of just really how selfish I am and um, how I have to keep working to help my kids inform them into who God wants them to be and who they're called to be in this world to do something good. And so, yeah, I mean, we're, we, we moved to a farm. We left the city. Um, we've been living in, you know, like suburbs, city life for, I guess, for a while and um, decided that a couple of years ago, Ricky and I really just began to think about like, how do we want to raise our kids? Obviously, okay with the faith. Obviously, with some of these other things in, in place. Sure, sure. Homeschool, okay. But then it began to go deeper and we began to ask ourselves questions of like, where can we cultivate sainthood the most? And um, for us, God led us to a place where we needed to just um, create less distraction and we needed to be a little bit more inconvenient. And um, that brought us to a farm in Southern Missouri. And so we live on 80 acres and we have a working farm and, you know, we butcher our chickens and we don't know what we're doing. We, we YouTube at night together. Like, how do you kill a chicken? And then we're like, <laughs> figure it out. And then we butcher the chicken. I had a YouTube, as we butchered this, I chronicled all on Instagram. I think it's saved under farm life if you want to see it. There's a lot of interesting comments. Some people did not want to see it, but um, I'm like, you don't have to follow me. Like you do. I mean, yeah, it's their choice, right? You don't have to click the circle. But, yeah, exactly. Um, I had my phone up and I was like watching YouTube videos as I was butchering the chicken. I'm like, am I doing this right? Um, anyways, but so we're learning on the go. We're figuring it out. I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring out farming and motherhood all at the same time on the farm. And yeah, this is it. We're just we're just doing it, man. I love that. I love that. And you really hit the nail on the head when you were talking about um, finding that place to cultivate sainthood and where there's less distraction because distraction truly is one of the, one of the weapons that Satan uses, right? And I know sometimes I'm like that, uh, just, you know, doing so much with social media and my mind's always like, it's like a, a tennis game constantly, like back and forth. And I have this love-hate relationship with it. And now, so I have five kiddos, four of them, well, the baby doesn't count. He's not homeschooling yet, but um, three of four of my oldest are now homeschooling and every day, well, I go to daily mass and I need it because it's like, can I do this? <laughs> uh, you know, because it, it, it is like, you know, motherhood does, it's such selflessness and such service 24 hours a day, literally. <laughs> Where I'm like, it's either I feel like I'm killing it as a mom or I'm like, I, I wasn't made for this. I wasn't made for this. <laughs> so difficult but it is it's it's in those moments of you know and i talk to abby a lot about this you know when you're hitting those rock bottoms and those frustration points in those moments of god i can't anymore it's in the fire that we're refined right it's in the brokenness where it's like where god gets us to fully surrender where it's okay, I can't do this my way anymore. This isn't my timeline. 
I'm being stubborn. I'm trying to do it Reagan's way and that's not working. So it's when we fully surrender and completely trust in him, whether it's with a massive move, you know, going to completely something unfamiliar, because for me, no matter if the familiar is good or bad, it's familiar. So we like to stay there because we know. And so um, it's when we step into the sometimes walking through the darkness of the unfamiliar to get to the light, right? And so I think you've done a beautiful job at, you know, displaying and being living proof of that trust to get to the other side and taking those big steps, whether it was leaving New York City, whether it was moving to the farm, whether it's deciding to homeschool all these little people. And um, it's, it's in those moments of insane courage where God's like, okay, I'm going to come meet you halfway now because you've trusted me enough to come 50% of the way that's scary. And now I'm going to come meet you, you know, because he loves us that much that we have that free will, you know, and he's going to allow us to do whatever we selfishly want to do. Um, yeah. You know, and that courage, courage exists only when, 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 when fear is present or the unknown is present. So, I mean, I think it's, Courage is ideal, but in practice, it means you have to be in a place where you're really uncomfortable to practice courage. Like mm -hmm. You're not courageous when, when it's easy. So, and I think there's also something to be said about mindset within all of this. Like I am, I've had to, and I still do continually keep myself from the brainwashing that our culture has done with women in terms of motherhood of basically, I can't, you know? And I know it's like the popular thing to be like, oh, I can't, I just, I can't, or I'm dead and all these expressions. And I just, while I find sometimes them funny, um, I just don't allow that in my head, man. I don't because with Christ I can. And if I continue to tell myself that motherhood is hard and it's just, this is so hard and I'm so tired. And yes, it, there, I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm not saying it's not tired, but if I coach myself, in saying that over and over, all my brain's going to hear is you are tired and you can't do this. You are tired and you can't do this. This is not for you. You can't have another baby. How could you love another person and love all these? Like all of these are lies from the devil. Make no mistake about it. And it's absolutely ridiculous. So when it comes to whatever Christ is calling you particular to do, it's important that you remember that there's another voice that's trying to speak to you to tell you that you can't to tell you that it's too hard and it's wrong or people won't like you or you're going to lose your job or whatever it might be. I don't know. So it's just, you have to, we have to keep, make sure that we keep the mindset of Christ, which is always going to be um, with hope. Um, and it's always going to be um, with the ability to do it with him and that he'll bless it, of course, accordingly, as long as it's in, within his will. You know, you talked about, um, you know, this political, you know, climate we're living in and, um, you know, Abby and I face this on a daily basis um, of being censored and, you know, our, our parenting platform here, um, we, you know, Satan works triple time to censor us because we share the things that most other platforms won't tackle. And she and, you know, she and I are known for sharing the brutal truth, whether that offends someone or hurts their feelings. And, you know, what we always say, you know, I, I tell everybody, I'd rather you offend me into heaven than love me into hell and compliment, you know, love and compliment me in hell. No, thank you. Hurt my feelings, offend me to push me to the right way. And, um, and so how do you deal with that personally you know, on your mission and what you've been called to do. And also as a mother, you know, you're, we're seeing Satan working at his hardest right now. And because of everything that's being normalized and pushed that, you know, we are in a time right now, evil is looked at as good and good is looked at as evil. You know, when Abby and I speak truth, biblical truth, you know, we're called unchristian-like. You're not loving. You're racist. How, how can you two be loving mothers um, when we're just speaking truth? So how do you deal with that? Hmm. Um, I, you know, hmm. 
I don't know. Um, I think probably, I, I think, I don't know, maybe it's the wrong assumption, but I would assume that both of you probably have this ability as well. But there's, a, I think, a grace God gives me where I just don't care, you know, um, to a level, you know, where I have been, I've experienced Christ's mercy so deeply in love, and I know it's true. And so there's a part that you just continue to walk in that. And you stop listening to all, like everybody on the sidelines who are just screaming at you in, the, in that process. And maybe that's just because of practice. Maybe I've just had, you know, like you guys, a lot of years of just um, attempted to be beat down or definitely have at times. Um, I also am very, very careful about the voices I allow in my home and in my head and on my phone. I'm very, very fiercely protective over what type of influence and what voices and what messaging is in this house is like I said, on, um, uh, on any type of, you know, um, media that my kids would be exposed to. Um, I'm very, very particular. Now my kids are really small, so I have a lot more control over that right now. And while I do have control over that, I absolutely will exert that, um, because I'm forming them and I'm forming, I'm supposed to be forming them for heaven and forming them into saints and so I need to protect their minds and their hearts, who they're exposed to, what messages they're exposed to, what they see. And so I'm fiercely protective over that. And for me as a mom and how I influence them, I have to be careful that I'm not influenced poorly. So as much as I can, I mean, obviously, you know, including the sacraments and visiting them very frequently and having a spiritual director and having other people that I bounce things off of of what's going on in my life so I can check myself because I have to have accountability. I can't do this alone. I also am very careful about my social media. Um, I've gone through, I've talked about this many times with people about my, my own social media. I would follow lots of people and then I would mute basically every single person on my social media just so that I didn't, I, the only thing I would like not mute would be like office bloopers or something like that. Funny that I could laugh at. Um, and now I've just gone like full, full, I don't know what it is black pill. I don't know what, 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 what pill you're taking, but I went recently. And for me personally, I've just unfollowed everybody. And I only follow my husband on social media. Um, I'm not saying that that's for everybody. I'm just saying for me, it protects my mind and my space. And I go, so if I want to spend the time looking at other things that I'm going to actually go search them out. So I, 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 I do spend some time searching out the news that I want to um, look at and like, and all that, but I want to be very careful Bottom line, I want to be very careful about the voices that I allow inside my head. I can be influenced like anybody else. So, and I, and I have been, and I know, I know my weak points. I know my weaknesses. Um, they're, they're in my face every day. And so I have to be careful about who, who I allow to talk to me. Um, and even if they're not doing anything wrong, is there something in me because there's a weakness in me that I'll look at a good person who's doing good things in the world and I'm going to be envious and, you know, comparison gets in there. And if that's not helpful or healthy for me, then I have to cut that off. Mm -hmm. um, and we have to be very careful about the voices that we allow in our head. There's a lot of noise out there and there's a lot of noise, even from supposedly trusted sources and even inside the church that are absolutely wrong and guided by evil. And you have to be careful about that. You can't blindly follow everything out there every voice out there. I mean, there's just, there's evil infiltration everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. And I'll tell you what, what you just said, I just did that two weeks ago. I unfollowed everyone with the real deal of parenting on, on socials. And it is the most refreshing game changer. So when I'm on, I'm doing, I'm doing our work. And when I need to go look up something that I truly like that I know intentionally, I'm consciously going to look this up because I want to see what I'm missing. I want to see what's going on. I was looking up turning point, looking at Abby and, and it's so refreshing because again, I even know like when I'm riding my Peloton, I like to listen to like music and pump up music. And this is just like, a, like a, a small example of there's certain music, there's certain songs that can lead me to sin, like venial sins in my head. And like, I kept in those little thoughts turn into innocent, not so innocent actions or words. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, you give Satan 
just the tiniest foothold in the door, he will knock it down. And so I am the same way. I catch the littlest things where is the song taking my thoughts to inappropriate thoughts that are just going to start spiraling. And so it is. And I think we three, because we've been there, we've been living in deep sin before we've, you know, got Christ's mercy that we just chase down every day and never want to lose it again. And so we are extra cautious of knowing where our weaknesses are, where we never want to be and why we're so outspoken on the things we are, you know? And so tell me, tell all of us what you've created and what people, because you have this, you have this beautiful story and, you know, I know you're a writer and a speaker, but what have you created that people can go to on social media to, to get more of this? Yeah. Um, there's a couple different things that we've got going on. So I created a free Catholic app it's for Christian women. Um, and it's called Lux Catholic. And it's just very simple. Our goal is just to pray together and to pray for one another. So we say the rosary twice a day live. Um, say Divine Mercy Chapel on Fridays. There's other like resources in there too for prayers and for connection. And you can find ladies in your same state, or if you want to find a group for like homeschooling moms or whatever it might be, um, they're all that's all in there. So it's a great place just to know that you're not alone. If you want to get on something that's kind of off of traditional social media, but click on an app where you're just going to begin there to pray, <laughs> that's what we have available. And that's free. So you can come on into Lux Catholic and um, and get in there and you can pray with us and put your prayer intentions in there. They're really, really beautiful. We have women obviously from all over the world. Um, we have over 10,000 women inside the app and they're just in there praying every day together. Um, and then we have Lux University. So Lux is Latin for light. And so we are guided by Gospel of John. Um, in particular, John starts out with talking about John 1 with the light um, of Christ. But also in particular, our patron saint is St. Fotina. Um, which is in John 4, and that's the woman at the well. And so that's where all of that is kind of behind, just to give you a background of why we use luck so much, is because um, the woman at the well went into the town after she had been you know, uh, forgiven by Christ because of her all of her past sins, and she brought people to Christ. So we want to be that same light of going back into our, our own world and bringing people to, to meet Christ. Um, and so with that, we have Lux University. And Lux University is a platform where we host and have different courses. They're like many little courses on the faith that are taught in very bite-sized pieces of theology. Um, some great courses in there and that you can just take on your own. They're digital courses there. And then we have some new programs that are starting up next year. Some really, actually really, really big announcements coming up next year, um, early next year that I can't, uh, I can't wait to share some things that are gonna happen. Some really big stuff is gonna happen next year. Um, that I, I think is going to just blow so much out of the water. I, 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 yeah. I hate when people do this. We're like, Oh, I can't do anything yet. It's just, that stinks. Like, I just don't like it, but I just, did it, so I have to eat my words now, but um, yeah, I, I can't unfortunately say anything yet, but yeah, just wait till next year. We got some really great programs for women putting up. Really, really excited. Amazing. And I think, and I love it that as much darkness as we're seeing and as much evil is being exposed and God willing, more evil will be exposed. And it seems like God is just convicting, you know, women like us three and so many others, you know what, that darkness is becoming darker, but I'm going to have you shine brighter and I'm going to have you speak more loudly and I'm going to have you be even more bold in my name. And so I love it. I love that he continues to move all of us and pull us in deeper, all in his name and to do his work. And so um, I'm so grateful for people who are so vulnerable and brutally honest as yourself, Leah, who are just now beautiful, shining lights, um, walking testimonies of God's goodness and his mercy and how much more you were made for you are you're this exquisitely beautiful woman and he's just doing so much more with you than what you know 
you were doing in New York City. So um, your story is beautiful. Thank you for sharing it with us. And um, everybody, if you are not already following Leah, follow her on Facebook, follow her on Instagram, check out her website. Um, we can link it here in the comments below. Um, but you have such a beautiful story. And again, I was so glad that this got booked right before Christmas because I feel like there's so many men and women who are on this journey right now where they're just, they can no longer be on the fence and they have to choose their side, which way they're going to go. And um, I pray that if they don't have that physical person, like your father greeting you at the door to lead you home to Christ, I pray, I pray that they have our blessed mother or our heavenly father, that they can lean into one of those arms um, and start on their new journey because you have just such a beautiful example. So we can't thank you enough. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And uh, Lee and I have talked about doing a really fun product review show. So we're, it's going to happen. We're going to do it. I thought about that earlier today as I was getting ready and I'm like, why don't we do anything yet? We I know. Why haven't we done that yet? This is like silly. where where you get like the fiber eyebrows or something, <laughs> or you know, those like fun things that you see in the store that you're like, who would use that? Okay, well we're gonna get it and start trying it out. I think we just should. I just think there needs to be some type of practical but light and uplifting ridiculous videos out there that we yes. can do quite well. I think we yes. Can. Oh. Like Lee and Abby product reviews. I think it's just so fun. I love it. Let's run it. Let's do it. So I also, Abby, I have to tell you before we before we head out. Um, I have a joke for you. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, good. I'm ready. Okay, all right. So I'm assuming that your audience knows that you love. Like, I love jokes. I jokes. love cheesy jokes. I do. I love, I love them. Jokes. And I, so you I, have one for me. Okay, good. About you. Um, I don't. But I, I, I found one that I think is going to be good. Okay. I asked my kids too. Okay. Um, okay. So, oh gosh. Okay. So, um, what, see, I'm, I'm terrible about this. Okay. So, okay. How did the hammerhead, how did the hammerhead do on his final exam? He nailed it. He nailed it. Ah, that's a good one. <laughs> but I love that you laugh at it. It just makes me everything about you. I just am like, this is stupid, man. But I was like, I know. I think Abby's going to like this. I came to the a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, I got to remember this for Abby. And um, there you go. I, <laughs> I love it. I do. I love Reagan may not even know that about me, but I love I love a cheesy joke. I love it. Well, we I love, and I love Abby's laugh. I think you know how on TikTok or they they make the sounds from like clips of like shows or movies or even voices. Like literally Abby's laugh or when we video each other, I can just replay it and it puts me in a good mood. Like Abby has this like laugh that needs to be a, a sound bite or something. I love it. I think that's easily done. I think, oh. it, I think I think it could be something that we could we could start a reel on yeah. and then um, we can just put it to you know crazy kid moments. And just I, have have a, I have a joke for you. Okay. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Why did the Clydesdale give the pony a glass of water? I don't know why. <laughs> Because he was a little horse. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had to pause for two seconds. say it. You can barely give the punchline. Look at you. Is <laughs> 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 everyone watching? Probably like. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I love that you are laughing at it. I think that's why I enjoy this because I don't, I don't, like, I don't, they don't hit me like they hit you, but you laugh at it. I love to laugh when other people are like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, 
So we might need to, <laughs> might need to, to have your own little comedy corner too. We'll have, <laughs> we'll have you guys unboxing things and doing product reviews and then a little little jokes yeah. in between. Satire. Oh my gosh. Oh, anyway. Love it. Yeah. This was fun, guys. Yeah. Well, Thank thanks for coming on, Leah. I know everybody loved we had a lot of comments, so everybody loved your story. Um, <sighs> and we'd love to have you back on. You'll have to come back after the new year and you get some things underway in your announcements and secrets are and out. Give us like one oh one about chicken slaughtering and I can tell you so many things about the inside of the chicken now. Oh my mm. god, the are in there. The things that are in there. I'm here for it. I'm oh it. yeah, we should. That's just that's a different conversation. We should give a trigger warning to people who can't handle food and where it's from. But you know, um, <laughs> hey, I'm like, if you aren't willing to hear about that, and don't eat it. Right. We're like we're hunters, so I'm like, well, I'm really deer and stuff like that. Like, do I'm it. like totally fascinated. I feel like I don't know, Abby. I feel like we need to like give her her own episode of here of like farm life because so many people now are like me. I'm always like, I want to go off the grid. I want to get a farm. I don't even know how to take care of like, like a horse or a cow, but you know, like all these things. And I'm serious. I feel like so many people want to start growing their own gardens and I can't even keep a plant alive. So the fact you and your husband are like unearthing these things and YouTubing and just doing it, it's like, this is necessary information for people today. Humans can do this. Like we act like this wasn't done. Like, like it's a new thing. Like we've been doing this since the beginning. Okay. 100%, yeah. Yeah. Since the very beginning. So of course we've been, we've been definitely removed for it for the past, maybe 75 years. Um, easy. We've been quite removed, but um, it's not unknowable. You can do it. Um, it requires you to step out of your comfort zone to learn how to do some stuff and, and, you know, you know, but yeah, I'd be happy to, um, we've been like wussified. That's what's happened. We have, and and then people are like, ew, gross. And I'm like, do you like, what do you eat? I'm like, you eat it. So, yeah. And also, do you know what you eat? Like, I know what exactly. my kids ate. I fed them myself. I took care of them myself. I killed them myself. I took their feathers off myself. I also, um, like, gutted them myself. I know what was what was not left in there. I um, bagged them and took care of them myself. I froze them myself. I know how long they've been in that freezer. So when I eat my chicken, I know everything about it. That's right. I yeah, I know they did. I know they weren't pumped full of like hormones and gross antibiotics and or how they're treated. You know, exactly. um, yeah, how they're butchered too, because and how clean it is and everything mm-hmm. that goes in that. Like you start like when I started doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, I can see why people do this because you have more control over what goes in your body, and we know that food is so tox- toxic. Mm-hmm. The, like, it's making us so sick. Yeah. Okay. And so when you're able to co- to have more control over your food, like I, we get our, you know, we have, we have egg laying chickens or we get our, our eggs. We have our meat birds or those are the ones that we butcher. We've got pigs out there right now that are just getting pumped up with great yummy food. And when you start, start to finish, you know where your food's coming from. One, you have a, you have a deeper appreciation of the land and what God has given us to use at this time. Um, and then you can really begin to become really particular about what you're feeding your family. Mm-hmm. You, you can taste the difference, and well, it'll can- make your it'll make your family healthier too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as I'm, as I'm just thinking, like, am I going to take the kids to Chick Fil A for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I really want their fries right now. <laughs> Go out there and slaughter a chicken, Reagan. Oh my gosh! Oh Lord! Well, I love it. This was so much fun. And Leah, you have to come back on. You just have to. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. Anytime. Um, Thank you so much for letting me just share my heart and my story. Um, Thank you, everybody, who were listening live um, to to that. I pray that the Holy Spirit truly was moving your heart in some way. um, to Not because of my story, but but to move your heart so you can become closer to Christ. Because ultimately, that's what he's wanting to do. And especially during this time as we approach Christmas and this Advent season, we're all in a sense journeying towards the manger. Like we are all on our way to meet Christ who's already there. 
And so we have that journey to make and Christ is with us. So, um, so just, I just want to encourage people to continue to, to seek out Christ. Um, this is a great week to come back to him, to receive mercy and forgiveness, um, and to come back to him. To come home. Amen. I love that. Awesome. Right. Thanks everybody for watching and uh, we will and see Merry you soon Christmas. and Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Bye guys. Okay. Bye guys.